Good morning, everyone, and this is a special week. We are continuing our Leadership Generation Gap uh, Challenge, and we have with us Mr. Kevin France, who is the CEO uh, of Momentum Consulting Group. It's an international consulting firm out of Dallas, Texas, and Kevin is a phenomenal uh, leader in the arena of business transformation. Kevin is a speaker, an author, and he's just an extraordinary businessman. Kevin's also won several awards in for sales transformation and helping companies grow and develop. And he's come today to talk to us about really what is it that is going on in organizations in terms of having four generations of leaders. So we have millennials, we have Gen Xs, we have Gen Zs, and we have our boomer population. So with all that brain power and innovation, Kevin is really here to uh, work with us and talk to us about what the implications are in organizations and how to tap into some of those really true attributes uh, for our leaders today. And I just a little bit more about Kevin because he's really quite extraordinary as a leader. And I love the vision that you have in terms of, you know, really growing companies and really having them optimized. But you work a lot on the mindset. You, you do a lot of work in that area of what people believe and can they, do they believe they can achieve it. And just working uh, with you as my coach, that has been a huge um, benefit for me. So I, I want to give you a big shout out and, and be very grateful to you for that. So if you were to sum it up, though, Kevin, how would you describe what leaders, um, maybe say in the, in, the, in the boomer generation or Gen X, what do senior level leaders really want? So what do they want these days? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, so good to talk to you. Uh, you know, I think that what you know, what what leaders want, at least leaders of my generation want, um, are people that are engaged with the company's mission, and they want to feel. Uh, you know, I want my my folks to feel empowered. I want my folks to feel that they can make a great impact. Um, so we hold people, you know, we give them the power, we hold them accountable, and then we, we reward them wildly. And so I want people that really take ownership. I don't want people just to take direction. Yeah. I could get anybody to take direction. I want people to, to say, hey, Kevin, uh, all right, this is what the end goal is, but I, 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 there's a better way to do this. All right, well, great. I'm sure there is. So tell me what that better way is and, and walk me through that. And so I want people to feel, you know, that they have a, a very heard voice mm-hmm. and that then we can implement uh, because, you know, momentum is far bigger than me anymore. And so and companies that, that even that we work with is that we need to get everybody involved where we have a collaborative culture, one of all these different generations that you speak of. That's where we see the greatest success. Yeah. No, and it's so true. We find the same thing, that contrast in terms of bringing people together. And then, you know, you do find that when they have that ownership. And I think there's a big distinction that you made there. You know, anybody can be an order taker, but does someone actually, you know, own the result? Do they, will they find a way around a barrier? Will they do, will they challenge what the thinking is? And do you think that um, younger leaders, uh, let's say Gen Zs and millennial leaders, do you think they feel comfortable pushing back and questioning senior level leaders? Do you think that they um, feel that sense of ownership? I think it depends on the organization. I think if the organization 
uh, has that kind of culture, then that, that culture is that then open and, um, you know, it doesn't take much, I think, for anybody, whether you're a Gen X or a millennial or a boomer, whatever you are, if, 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 I, if you speak up, so let's just say you and I work for the same company and you came to me and said, hey, Kevin, I got a great idea how to do this. And I just kind of shut you down and say, you know, Christine, we're going to do it this way. Um, you know, you, you may come back to me another time, maybe two, but at some point you're going to say, he's not going to listen to me anyway. So there's no point. Yeah. And so, so I think it depends on the organization and the culture. But, but if, if we, if we have a culture that we embrace new ideas and you've heard me say this many times, you know, one-on-one and on stage uh, speaking is, you know, you surround yourself with really good people and, there's, you know, that are, that are even smarter than yourself and you empower them to do what they're supposed to do. Um, so I think it depends on the organization, you know, certainly yes. our organization, we open that communication line up. I want to hear, uh, because you know, that, you know, my way is not always the greatest way. Sometimes my way is the worst way. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, discovering but, that myself. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I want people to, to, to challenge me. And, you know, obviously respectfully challenge me, but I mean, you know, say, hey, have we thought about this? And oftentimes maybe the answer is no, we haven't. And so I think it depends on the culture. But but I have seen, you know, I see it here. I see it in other organizations that uh, the younger generations do push back uh, because they know their voice will, will be heard and counted. So So I applaud those organizations that do that. Yeah. I, and I love that you said that because you did point to company culture and that really is the premise in which, you know, really great companies that embrace having those differences, you know, having the experience of a senior level leader and matching that with the kind of the now let's get this done kind of innovative, agile, younger leader and putting those things together. You have a much more robust opportunity to really have a breakthrough in the results of the company. And then companies where you see those senior level leadership and the, and the millennials are the Gen, Gen Zs, and they don't understand each other. And you can see this divisiveness and like a, a bit of a, a finger pointing, if you will, if they only understood or if they would get out of the way. And you see some of that. So you can see the difference between what can get produced and how that creates the company culture. And what would you say, you know, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly? What's the worst thing you have seen in terms of leaders working with up-and-coming leaders as well as we're getting a little visitor right now. It's a BBC moment. <laughs> no, no, don't drop and roll. It's all good. Honey, mummies. No, I don't. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, my son just came in. Here's There's a, a prime example, right, of differences between maybe, you know, 20 years ago, if we were talking on a, on a teleconference or a Skype conference, I think we had the technology. Maybe we didn't. <laughs> but, and technology's changed so much. But, you know, you see a working mom, a CEO of a company come in, and her child comes in and interrupts the conversation. There's a whole culture that would have been just aghast had that happened. Today, it's it's kind of the norm, you know? It's like, it's okay for those kinds of things. I think there's a little bit more flexibility and, and fluidity in that. So my question, getting back to it, was what do you see the good, the bad, and the ugly that leaders do in terms of managing the generations? Well, it was interesting. It was not, not that long ago, maybe certainly less than 12 months, but I remember sitting and, you know, going into a very large corporation, sitting down with the board of directors, I get off the elevator, I take a picture of their vision and mission statement, and it was 
quite long. I thought, there's no way I'm going to remember this. So I took a snapshot of it. But, and I, uh, I go into the boardroom and there's, I don't know, 15 people there. And all people around my age in the, in the baby groomer uh, age categories. And so they brought us in to discuss how we are going to quote unquote fix their company and what would be our process and so forth. And it was interesting because, uh, uh I, you know, they, they introduced me, I stood up and, uh, you know, I was with a couple other associates of mine. And so I, I stood up and, and I did something I never do, but I walked around, uh, this boardroom and it was very, you know, this is, keep in mind, this is like a Fortune 100 company. And so there's, I don't know, 12, 18 people, 17 people are in this boardroom. So I walk around and I start pointing. I says, what's your vision statement? They couldn't answer. What's your couple, What's your mission statement? I did this all the way around the room, all the way to the CEO. And so this is like my 20 minutes into it. And I said, folks, you want to know why you have a attrition problem? You want to know why you have a profitability problem? You want to know why you have a sales problem? I said, because you have a culture problem. And I said, I can't do anything to help you unless we solve it here. And so they are a great example. They were a great example. So a week later, so I said to my associates, I said, how do you think that went? They said, I don't think it went probably very well because it was like crickets. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> I was very glad that I exited the room. Uh, and about a week later, I got a call back from the CEO and he said, you know, no one has ever spoken to us like that. And I said, maybe it's time they did. And uh, he said, he says, that's why I'm calling you back. He says, because we talked about this for two and a half hours after you left. And some people were appalled at what you told them and how you approached them. And other people embraced it. He says, he says, but none of us in this room had this answer. And he said, because we are not collaborative, we're not listening to our own people. And so by them not listening to their own people, it was one of those things of, of um, not having to um, get their, their, their input. So of them not having their input, then they, they then just went and did their own thing. And, um, so he says, you're hired. And Mm -hmm. so the, the bottom line is, is that's a great, that's an extreme example of how, you know, the upper echelon is totally ignoring everybody else thinking they have all the answers. Conversely, I've seen organizations that are highly collaborative, that, that want opinions, that, that have best-in-class sessions, that bring all these different cultures together, all these different generations together, and they collaborate. And, and, and you know, I mean, we're, I think it goes back down to the fundamental, basic human instinct. If I treat you with respect, now I can't guarantee you're going to respect me back but all I can do is what I can do. So if I practice um, what I am saying and say, you know, treat you with respect, you know, listen to your opinion. And, and you know, if I don't agree with it, that doesn't mean I have to berate you and, and make you feel horrible. But I would say, hey, you know, I, I mean, in fact, I was just telling somebody this today is that I should be listening with curiosity. And if you're going at a different approach than I am, I need to really understand that because Maybe there's, and most probably there is a better way for me to, to do whatever I'm trying to get you to do. Yeah. So you know, there, there's organizations at both sides of the spectrum. Those that just shut everybody out, those that, that, that do a, a tremendous amount of collaboration, and then those that really look at organizations and say, okay, 
And I'll, I may not totally understand you, and I think there's a lot of labeling to the grief in, in society, yes. <laughs> especially in the last, it seems like it's been hyped just as high, hypersensitive in the last 24 months. But, uh, but I think if we listen with curiosity and try to figure out how we can work together as opposed to finding ways not to, you know, I think companies will be far better along than what, where they are today. No, I, and I couldn't agree more. I think you are seeing that. And, and you hit on so many key things. One, the culture, the mission and the vision of the company doesn't sit on the wall. It really is ingrained in how people act together and how they collaborate. I've also seen the pendulum swing in a different direction with too much collaboration. So sometimes you have so much collaboration that you don't have a decision being made because everybody's voice gets heard. And then that actually can impede progress because sometimes it's just like you've got to act. You can't keep thinking about it and talking about it. At some point, you do have to make a decision. And I I love that you talked about both of those and bringing that together and, and finding that sweet spot where you do have the collaboration and you do have the leadership and you people do have that experience of feeling heard. They feel like, yeah. you know, you and I go to work because we want to, we, I know you don't have to work anymore. If you didn't want to, you could fold it up tomorrow. You don't have to do this, but you still get on planes and you coach people and, you know, you run your company from all over the world and you do that because I think, you know, your life makes a difference. What you do is impacting, you know, business and, and young leaders and entrepreneurs and to me, that is kind of the crux of it all. I think whether you're a Gen Z, a millennial, a Gen X, or a boomer, we just all want the same thing, which is to know that we're making a difference and that our lives matter, you know, that we made an impact. And yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and, and maybe, I mean, good grief, there's lots of studies on, on all the generations and, you know, depending on what study you read, on what day you read it, you know, the priorities may seem different and my you know, baby boomers might, I'm going to say the word might, have different priorities in, than, than Gen Xers and millennials. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that there's a fundamental people skill that has, you know, that, that is there that, you know, we all want to be respected. We all want to be heard. Uh, and I mean, we may have different approaches. We may have different values to things. Um, some things may be more important to the to my generation than to the younger generation. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, we're we're human. We just we want to be heard, yeah. and we want to be involved in a process, and, and that at least our voices are heard. I mean, you made a really good point, Christine. That uh, uh, too much collaboration. I mean, yes, we should never lead by committee. I mean, let's let's get everybody. Let's get the the right people's input, and then let's let's make an educated decision, and then move on. And so it's not a decision by committee on on things. Not but, everybody gets a ribbon. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, sometimes I I get the ribbon, and a lot of times I don't. But that's okay. And but d- despite the age differences, and despite the you know how technology has evolved, and and all of that, I think. Fundamentally, I mean, we're still all human. We want to be heard. We want to be respected. And that looks a little differently to the different generations. Um, And, you know, know, I would say my generation has to really probably step it up quite a bit to embrace some of this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and and, but by embracing it, that that also means that we have to own that and get people involved because if we're going to have businesses that sustain beyond me 
and whether I sell this company and uh, in next year, five years, 20 years, or whatever I'm going to do with it, um, I would like to have it go on for generation to generation. And how I run it will be different than how somebody runs it 30 years from now. So, Oh, you just but, brought up such a great point because I think a lot of leaders are looking at what that succession planning and more so that legacy. You know, and I do uh, a lot of talks, and you do too, on on what legacy really looks like. And from my perspective, um, I'm I'm seeing that succession plan. Like, how do you pass the baton and the wealth of knowledge from a boomer into that Gen X and millennial hands? And and what does that really look like? Because for a lot of us, it's you know, often people will retire and then go back and consult to that company right? Because they're not done. They just want to have a different expression and maybe not have so much pressure on being responsible for the bottom line, but they still want to be a part of the conversation. And you're seeing people retire later and later. You know, I did a, I did a talk this week uh, at UR Unlimited, and it's really about the boomer consumer. You know, the boomer generation is a $15 trillion aging consumer generation. And you won't age the way your parents did, and neither will I, because that's not what we're up for. We're up for something different. We want vitality and, you know, really to do all these really things. And I think that is really important also when you look at the cultures of companies that are coming because, you know, I also go into companies where I see everybody walking around with their headsets on and they're not talking to each other. So there's this wealth of knowledge of people who are ready to give back and, and have you learn something where you don't have to go into the pitfalls yourself and actually just learn from their experiences versus, you know, getting them, you know, but what's required is taking that headset off, right? And being engaging. And I think there's opportunity definitely in, in that area where we could do a better job of communicating. I, I agree. And I, you know, certainly I'm not a scientist and I haven't done scientific studies on this, but as you were speaking, I, a thought had just come to my mind. I, I wonder if the older generations have uh, spurred this on with the younger generations, you know, with the headsets on, maybe, I mean, I, there, I don't have any scientific basis yeah. for this, but I'm just wondering is, have we shut down the younger generations so early on and not made their voices heard so they felt like hey they can't be heard so i'm just going to listen to my own environment mm -hmm. versus express it you know i just i just want you know i'm sure there's studies because there's studies on it and just about everything but you know I, I wonder if we have enabled some of this activity right so. yeah no that's a great point and i think we have possibly created it. i mean before the before the time a child is two the word no they hear that the most is is heard most in their entire lives, the time between zero and two, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> then they will yeah. ever hear it in the rest of their lives. No, no, no. And I think you're, you know, maybe that is a, that's an interesting point and, and worth exploring for sure. Um, one of the things that we found in, uh, and is the labeling, you know, you, you touched on it about labeling millennials is this way. First off, I don't like labeling an entire generation of people, with a stamp. No, they're not. They're very different. One millennial is totally different than another, just like the Gen X's and the, and the boomers. And I think you have this point because words are the most powerful tool we have. They shape and define for us what's possible and what's not possible in a company culture or in our lives, right? And yeah. so if we're labeling our senior level leaders as, you know, over the hill and, 
you know, they're out of touch or they don't know what they're doing, they're a geezer or whatever those labels are, it doesn't empower them to then want to turn around and help you when you have a problem with something and that senior level leader knows the answer, but they might not give it to you based on what they heard you say and vice versa, right? It's the same as if we label younger generations with, you know, they're a know-it-all and they're unteachable and they're this or they're that. So labels, I think, are a very powerful um, thing. Anything to say about that, uh, Kevin? Yeah, no, it's actually a good point. I mean, so we have what we call 360 mentoring. So um, we have a 360 mentoring program that basically is, you know, the older uh, generation of whether you're a leader, um, you know, a thought leader, a CEO, um, department head, whatever, uh, we are mentoring those that are younger uh, to to ultimately take our positions. And so we are listening to them just as much as hopefully they're listening to us. And so uh, I may, as you know, I may not be the greatest in technology, but I listen to those people that, so if something's wrong with my my uh, iPhone, uh, I, you know, I, I'll take it to somebody younger and they'll fix it within seconds. Right. And as opposed to me trying to mess with something for hours, but uh, they, but they in turn, you know, so we help mentor them in, in, in developmental things. Yes. And when they see that and, and we empower them and let them make a decision, they may make it totally different than we will, but oftentimes they have a better outcome, a quicker outcome, a more cost-effective way of doing it. Then, so, so we do the 360 mentoring. So we mentor down, they mentor up. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I don't great. like to use the down and up part, but but uh, but we're trying Cross. to elevate them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a great point, and I think um, companies who really embrace that philosophy really get the most out of you know that the power of now and the power of experience. Right. And you bring those things together. And I think there's something really, really uh, available in companies today. And then finally, I just wanted to mention to you, I went to download your book in Canada and I can't. So your your book is now available and has been for a while on Amazon. Am am I accurate on that? It is. And it's on like 40 other uh, 40 other uh, online channels. And, And the book is called Momentum Effect. And when you did the book, what were you really gearing towards? What did you really want it to hit? So, you know, I had all these people saying, Kevin, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I thought, I don't want to write a book. And uh, so I, but I certainly, so my first book I wrote, uh, which is now in editing, it's, you know, 10 Steps to Building World Class, Why Companies Crash and Burn. And so that was going to be my lead in, if you will, to writing a book. And I was only going to write that book and then be done with it. And check the box, done that. Okay. Yeah. Well, everybody around me, my marketing people, editors, etc., they said, Kevin, you need to, you know, create a bigger brand around yourself, right? So I they said, why don't you talk about your life journey? Well, I didn't want to write a book about me because I thought, you know, nobody cares. And I don't want to be, I'm and you know me, I'm not a chest pounding kind of guy. No. So I didn't want to write, you know, all this stuff. So but they said you can write a book and and, and, and talk about a journey and talk about key learning. So the momentum effect is about a journey of a, just an average person that, you know, was relentless and passionate and driven 
And it kind of talks, so it's not a chess punning book at all about me, but it's about key learnings that I learned. It's, my first job was a sales person actually selling, you know, beer, Canadian beer, you know, <laughs> to the south part, part of the United, the southwest part of the United States, building a beer division. And then my next job was another Canadian company. So I worked for Canadians, you know, my uh, first. I don't you can't know, shake us. Yeah, yeah. So for the first ten years of my life, and so, but my second job was. They said, "Hey, Kevin, you know, you you, you sold a lot of beer. Well, I mean, I knew where beer was. I knew because I drank a lot of beer, so I knew where beer was sold. <laughs> so I thought this is fairly easy. And so I then said, "Okay." Um, they said, "We want you to fix this sales division." And I thought, I don't know how to fix the sales division, but I do know how to sell. And they said, we want you to manage salespeople. And I thought, I've never managed anybody, but I know how a salesperson should act. And so I said, sure. And they said, oh, we want you to also fix some processes. And I thought, I have no idea what that is. And so, but, so it's funny how we look at our, our lives like a staircase, right? So the, the bottom staircase, I, it was just sales. The next job was the next uh, step on the stair. So they wanted me to, you know, to run a sales organization, fix one, build one, create policies and then they just kept building. And so the momentum effect is about key learnings along the way and how I had to use creativeness, how I had to use mindset, how I had to use focus and determination, how I had to utilize other people to, um, you know, to uplift them and to uplift me. So that's what the momentum effect is. Uh, I'm not sure why it's not available in Canada. It should be. Um, but uh, so I'll, I'll, we'll have somebody look into that. Yeah, I was sitting there, I was da- trying to download it and I'm like, I should really read my coach's book. And so <laughs> it's not available for download. So we, let's fix that problem. That's an easy one, I'm sure. Um, and I love that you said what you just said, because you're also one of the most humble leaders I have ever met. You've accomplished some really extraordinary things, and I know you don't want me to point it out, but the way you lead your company is as, is as a humble leader, but you've built some of the largest, you know, over $500 million in revenue within a couple of years, firms and sales teams, and that is uh, record-breaking in some areas. So really, Kevin, you know, just so everybody understands uh, who you are, because you, you are humble and you don't really, you're not that chest pounder, but you are someone who produces results. And I just really appreciate that as a leader. There's so many ways you can show up as a leader. You're an approachable leader who really gets the job done. Really well, thank you. I, you know, my grandfather used to say, you know, speak softly. Um, but, uh, but, you know, his version was carry big bank account. So my version is, you know, speak softly and, 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 and just lead with passion and, and desire and, and authenticity. And I think people will follow. And so, you know, I want people that, you know, I, I, I try to be approachable. Uh, and I think I probably do a pretty good job of that. There's sometimes I can do a lot better job, but, uh, I think when you involve people in this process and, and you treat them with respect and, at the end of the day, I put my pants on the same way as you do, as the next person does, and um, yeah. you know, uh, and so it's it's it, I, I've, I've been a little bit more blessed, maybe in some areas than others, but uh, uh, but it took a while to get there. Uh, some people get there faster. That's great. I'm glad it does. So, yeah. but you know, we're all we're all different. We all have different skill sets. It's just that you know, how do we recognize them? I mean. Uh, if you would, if, 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 if I would have backtracked this conversation 40 years ago or even 50 years ago, 
Um, I'm 50 now, I'll be 59 this year, so maybe not 50 years ago. So 40 years ago, at 20 years old, 19 years old, I would have thought there's no way in the world that I would be doing what I'm doing. Right. And exactly. I, I have no idea how to do this stuff. And so, but you know, life, you know, unfolds. And um, so just like I said, hey, I sold beer and I, because I knew how to drink beer, so I knew where it was sold. So I, I was young, I was aggressive, so I went and sold beer. Yeah. And the next job, I had to do a few more skill sets. And the next job, I had to do a few more skill sets on top of that. Next yeah. thing you know, here we are. So, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And you really did take those calculated risks that you talk about and you really did, you know, you developed and, and grow. And I think that's just such an amazing thing. Anything left in terms of, um, you know, looking at the generations at leadership and, and how um, people collaborate. And you've said so many powerful things and, and it's such a gift to our listeners. Was there any final words or comments in terms of um, if you could leave, you know, what would be your biggest um piece of advice or, you know, insight for them? You know, I think it would be that, you know, I use this word of, of curiosity and, and just, you know, engage people uh, uh, and be curious on their viewpoint. And I think when we're curious on their viewpoint, they will appreciate that and they'll start to open up. And because oftentimes, more oftentimes, unfortunately than not, we whether it's intentional or not, it happens. We shut people down, whether it's in our same generation or others, because we are so myopic and, you know, we're that horse with the horse blinders on and always see is the horse in front of us. We won't see the grandstands, but if we start looking at the bigger picture and start opening up and collaborating, I think you will be amazed at what will be happening in our own companies and our own homes even. And, um, I'm fortunate, but that, um, that, you know, I don't have to go home to a table. Well, it's just my wife and I, but I mean, you know, I, I hear all these stories of people, you know, parents going home and their kids are on their phones and nobody's talking at the table. I mean, we've all seen it in restaurants, right? And I'm thinking, does anybody even have a conversation? But I think if we start to really engage with people and do it from a curiosity perspective and say, help me understand that a little bit more. Why do you, why do you think that way? And if, if we start to, not if we start to put in our own mind that hey okay i have one way of doing it but there's probably a thousand other ways to do this and so if i'm curious on how you would do this christine then then we could get to best in class you know there's always this, this we've all heard this saying two heads are better than one yeah and so get into a mastermind and do all these things well that's the reason why is to, to get other viewpoints and get other perspectives yeah uh if if if, if we let me to my own devices for these 59 years good grief i mean i probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today i have no idea what i would be doing but i probably wouldn't be doing what i'm doing but um but so we need to bring people along and uh, and and people will not just bring people along for the ride but have people elevate us so we and then we have that obligation to we should have that obligation to elevate yeah, I love it. That's amazing. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, Kevin. Your insights and how to help leaders really uh, bring that cross-generational thing to the table and continuing to strive to build a better organization and culture. I think it's it's just key. So I'm really excited and I'm uh, I appreciate that. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure to talk to you.
Hi there. I, I ended our recording. So, uh, whoops.